Um, I want to tell you guys that I have gotten to speak with Pastor Trey quite a bit this week, and he sends his love to you guys. He and um, Pastor Kerry are at, they're in Australia visiting um, their son Micah, but they're also attending Hillsong Conference, which is kind of like the Super Bowl of all church conferences. I mean, all the best speakers, this worship that'll take your breath away, and they've got to soak in that, and I love that our pastors get to have that time. But can I tell you that he told me, he said, Dana, this conference has been so great, but I really miss, I miss my church family a lot, and I can't wait to get home to them. So I just want you guys to know how loved you are by our pastors, how much they value you, and that everything that they're doing, even this time of restoration, they're thinking of you, and you're so loved. And I just wanted wanted you to know that because I, I think people don't, I don't know if pastors get the kind of props that they need when it comes to how much they really love our love their congregation, and our pastors love us well, right? Can you guys stand with us one more time? We're gonna, I promise, last time I'm gonna make you stand up. <clears throat> We're gonna read our. Um, our text this morning. It's found in 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 5. And it says, Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength, found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. And all that you've learned from me, confirmed by the integrity of my life, pass on to faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelations. Overcome every form of evil as a victorious soldier of Jesus, the anointed one. For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. An athlete who doesn't play by the rules will never receive the trophy, so remain faithful to God. The farmer who labors to produce a crop should be the first one to be fed from its harvest. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. We welcome you to come and do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, even now I ask that before, before the words that you've given me have ever been spoken, that you begin doing a work in the hearts and lives of the people here because I know, I know there's divine appointments here today. So, Father, I ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all can be seated. So, a lot of you guys know that I serve on our decor team here at church. And one of the things that our team really prides itself on is all the little details that most people miss <clears throat> when, they, when they walk throughout our, our campus here, but we think the details are important because it lends to the overall feel that everyone else feels when they walk in the door. <coughs> and one of the things that we, that we do that people just have really loved and people take pictures of them all the time are the letter boards that you'll see a lot of times. We don't have them out here there this Sunday, but um, letter boards that you'll see with cute sayings on them. Sometimes they're inspirational. Most of the time they're funny or sarcastic because that's how we roll. Um, but it's just to kind of, you know, lend itself to just an atmosphere where you feel loved and welcomed. And the letter board signs, you see them and it doesn't seem like it's a big deal that it would take a lot of time, but again, it's, it's in the details that matter. And 
so let me just tell you. So Thursday nights, we all get together, and we'll put these letter board signs together as a team. And, but it's a process that's led up to that Thursday night. We'll spend hours looking up different quotes. And since we've been doing this for over a year now, we've used up probably every quote on Pinterest. <laughs> so it's a little difficult. We'll, we'll look up quotes. We'll have quotes sent to us by people on staff and those kinds of things. And then we'll finally, you know, get the quotes that we want. And then we send them to be approved because nothing goes out there that's not approved. And, um, and then on Thursday nights, we'll get together and we'll assemble all the letterboard signs. We have three of them. So what because I love my girls that I serve with, we'll sit down and we'll start chatting and talking about our week. Lots of times we'll interrupt our time to watch a video or have you guys heard this song? Or sometimes we'll just stop and pray over each other. You never know what's gonna happen. And so <clears throat> girls may or may not get distracted by, by things. And so one Sunday, one Thursday night, we were there, we were putting the letterboard signs together. And... Um, we put them together, and usually when we're doing it, we'll hold them up for everyone to look at the sign. We want to make sure our letters are straight, or is it centered? Um, do we need to move it up or down? I mean, it sounds little, but again, we really pride ourselves on details. So one Sunday afternoon, a couple, couple months ago, I get a text after church, and it simply says, read the sign. And I want to show you a picture of that sign. It might take you a minute. So I'm going to read it to you guys if, 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 you, if you haven't gotten it yet. Adults seemed a lot adultier when was I kid. It should have said when I was a kid. Yeah, that was a big miss on the whole team. <laughs> but when I got the text, I was like, oh, my gosh, how did we miss that? Y'all, three or four sets of eyes looked at that sign because not only does our team look at the sign, we place the sign, and then our team does a full walkthrough of the whole campus to make sure we are ready for you for Sunday morning. And all of that time, not one of us saw the big miss on that sign. And now we all laughed and joked about it. We thought it was funny. But at the end of the day, I lead the decor team, so that falls to me. And when I was thinking today about what we were, this series that we're in, it's called Letters to Leaders. And I was thinking about that, and I thought, you know, we, as soon as we saw that, we thought, okay, that just means we're going to triple and quadruple check now these signs to make sure that we've done them correctly. That, because I have to tell you, it took me probably a hot minute to figure out, what did I mess up on that sign? Because your mind automatically flips it, Right. But we, it's in the little things, though, that we want God to trust us, right? So as leaders, we look at ways to get better, to grow, to learn even from the little things so we can be trusted with more things. <clears throat> the series that we're in right now is called Letters to Leaders. And the good news is that if you're here today, then you're a leader. You're a leader. 
Wherever God has positioned you or wherever he has placed you, you're a leader. You don't have to have the title of pastor. You don't have to be on staff. But God has strategically placed you in a community, in a job, with volunteers. Maybe you're a mama that just homeschools and you think this is all I'm ever going to be for the rest of my life is a mama of littles. God has strategically placed you to lead strong. You are called according to his purpose. That's what the word says. It doesn't distinguish. It doesn't distinguish between gender. It doesn't distinguish between age. It simply just tells us that we're called. The scripture that we're studying this morning is a letter from Paul to Timothy. And one of the things I love about 2 Timothy in particular is you can feel the love that Paul has for Timothy when he's writing this letter. It's not just a letter written to a casual acquaintance. It's a letter written to someone that is very loved. And Timothy was going through a particularly rough time where he was serving as the pastor of a congregation. He was having a rough time with his leaders. And so Paul was writing him this letter to encourage him, to say, you got this. Keep going, but don't forget your why. Don't forget the reason that you've been placed where you've been placed. Don't forget your calling, your purpose. So Paul gives Timothy three really cool examples that kind of jumped out to me. <clears throat> and the first one is he, he tells us, for every soldier called to active duty, you must divorce yourself, for, you must divorce himself from the distractions of this world so that he may fully satisfy the one who chose him. So our first, our first thing is the soldier, no distractions. Now, the irony is not lost on me that while I was writing this particular message, I was sitting on this beautiful deck in the mountains of New Mexico. There were deer everywhere. They would just come up to the deck. It was like they wanted to have a conversation with me. They weren't even scared of me. An elk, huge elk. Who sees elk but elk? It was crazy. The hot tub. The table's right here. The hot tub is right here. No, Dana, you have a message to write. You have a message to write. I'm telling you, I could have chosen in that moment to become distracted. Really, really distracted. But it was my choice to become distracted. Or to say, no, I'm going to finish this message so I can enjoy that hot tub when I'm done with this message. Right? I had, I had a purpose. I had a goal. I had a vision. Hot tub. That was my, <laughs> that was my purpose. <clears throat> so one of the things that when I was thinking about this is it's only if I choose. Only if I choose the distraction does it have any power over me. So what do I have to do first when it comes to distractions? First of all, I have to identify the distraction. And for me personally, the biggest distraction in my life is when I get so busy doing all of the things my day-to-day -day life, the mundane of my day-to-day -day life, right? And none of them are bad things. Go to work, come home, volunteer here, there, and everywhere else. Take care of my kids. Last night, my kids are like, what are we going to have for dinner? And I was like, what's wrong with cereal, right? Has everybody, <laughs> y'all, just get real with me. Every mama's like, cereal, that's the best dinner ever. My kids are old enough. Go fix yourself something. I don't know. I don't know what you want from me tonight. But y'all, Every time that I begin to do all of the things, all the things, and I begin to feel overwhelmed and out of control, that is Holy Spirit's way of saying, hello, 
This is not what I want for you. Distractions aren't from me. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and out of control, then this isn't from me. And I need you to take a step back. And I need you to focus on what it is I've called you to do. And if that thing isn't in line with what I've called you to do, then you probably shouldn't be doing it, even if it's a good thing. Guys, I struggle with this one a lot. Because I, I like to do things. I like to help people. When, when I see someone needs help in an area, I'm like, hey, I'll help. And the Lord's over here going, are you slow? I said, wait just a minute. I need you to do this, what I've called you to do. So then the next way, when, we, when I finally figure out, okay, I've been distracted by what he's called me to do, then the next thing, have you guys ever heard that saying, turn around, don't drown? Right? Whenever there's a, any kind of flooding, you're going to hear it all over the news, all over the radio, turn around, don't drown. And I'm not going to lie, when I hear that, I just think, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Turn around, don't drown. If you see water going over a road, why would you drive through said road, right? Turn around, don't drown it. But inevitably, every flood, you hear of someone that did not turn around and almost drowned, right? And sometimes they did. And it's easy from our perspective when we're sitting at home on our couch thinking, well, that was dumb. Why would you do that? But we weren't there. We don't know what might have looked safe to them. You don't know what would have caused them to, to keep going. Perspective is a beautiful thing. But here's the thing. God wants you to turn around and come back to the last thing that he told you to do. So, because sometimes he wants to take you around a long way. He wants to take you, but you're like, God, that's the short way. It's going to get me there faster. It's the dangerous way. It's the thing that he wants to keep you from. He wants to protect you from something, and because he's a good God, and because he's a kind God, he's going to take you around, and he's going to teach you in the process something that's going to be valuable to you when you get over here. But if you let distraction keep you from what he's called you to do, you will never be everything he's called you to be. So let's go back to Paul's talking to us about the soldier. Now, when I think about a soldier, I think about focus. When a soldier goes into boot camp, when they first, when they first enlist and, and they go to boot camp, you know, all of these things happen to them. They're, they're removed from a lot of things so they can be taught focus. It's all about focus. Everything is highly regulated for one reason, to teach them to focus. Because at the end of the day, that focus will save their lives. But the focus is the mission. So Paul is telling Timothy, I need you to have laser focus on the mission. Don't get distracted by the stuff going on in the, in the church. But be focused like a soldier. Be strong. Stay strong. Don't deviate. Don't, go, don't, don't try to go the, the short way. Go, go the way that God's directed you to go. Because if you do then the prize is on the other side. But you have to stay focused. The next thing that, that Paul talks about is the athlete. The athlete is a rule follower. Any rule followers in the house? I am such a rule follower, y'all, like in a big way. Um, 2 Timothy 2.5 says, An athlete who doesn't play by the rules will never receive the trophy, so remain faithful to God. 
when I was when I was preparing this message, I was looking up athletes who cheated. And y'all, there's a lot of them, just FYI. In case you ever want to like question humanity, Google athletes who cheated. Yeah. Um, so after I looked through all the athletes that cheated, I was trying to think, what can I, what story could I bring in about a cheater? So in our house, athletic events might look a little bit different because board games in our house can become athletic events. We are a highly competitive family, highly competitive. We're very passionate about winning. I think that's much better than competitive. I'm going to start using that from now on. We're passionate about winning. So I'm married to a really, like, wicked smart man. And I like to tease him and make fun of him because he uses these huge words all the time. Like, and sometimes he'll use all of them in one big sentence, and you're like, what? And I'll say, can you use English with me? So I, or do I need to get a dictionary? Do I need to carry around a dictionary to have a conversation with you? I'm just kidding, sort of. But he, he uses these huge words. And because he has such a, a big dictionary floating around in his head, he's excellent at the game Scrabble. And when we were first married, we would play Scrabble all the time, which now that I think back on it, I mean, that was stupid because I knew I was going to lose, and I don't like losing, but I enjoyed spending time with him. So that's why we played Scrabble. I knew I was going to lose, but we were going to have a good time, and I'd learn words I'd never heard before. So one day, we sat down, and we were playing Scrabble, and y'all, miracles happened because I was winning. And I wasn't just winning. I was winning big, big. And did I mention that we're passionate about winning? Because my husband's incredibly passionate about winning, so much to the point that he's a big old cheater. Big old cheater because all of a sudden, my cheating husband lays down a word that has an X in it that lays down on a triple letter, triple word score. And I was like, at first, I was like bowing to the genius, but then I looked over and I realized he had extra tiles and he had cheated. He wouldn't even let me have my moment and win one Scrabble game, y'all. And I lost Jesus. Jesus left the building. I stood up. I flipped the board. I was so mad. And some people might think I overreacted, but again, passionate about winning and remember, athletic game. It became athletic at that moment. I've never been so angry in my whole life. And you guys, I did not play Scrabble with him for years. For years. I refused to play. I would play with other people. And I would say, they'd say, y'all want to play Scrabble? Sure, as long as the cheater's not playing. I'll be more than happy to play Scrabble with you. I'm telling you for years. And maybe I need to pray the forgiveness prayer a little bit. But you guys, I could not handle the fact that he cheated. And it ruined the game for me for years. And part of that's on me. I let that happen. But as Christians, we're given rules to live by, right? Specific rules. So when someone cheats, we get hopping mad, right? Again, rule follower here, so when, like, even when I fly Southwest Airlines, y'all, I get mad when people don't get in line in the correct numerical order. There's a number and a letter on your ticket. Follow the number and the letter. Am I preaching to anybody in this house today? Thank you. Thank you. Amber, are you like that? 
People need to get in num numerical order. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. This is going to get a little off topic, but I have to tell you, I went on a trip with Pastor Carrie and, and Pastor Sherry, and we're in line and in Southwest, and there was a person that was not in numerical order, <laughs> and I kept saying, what does your ticket say to Pastor Carrie and Pastor Sherry? Because I wanted those people to hear me say, look at your ticket number. You guys, it's extreme. My rule following, it's, it's a whole other place. Okay, knowing that... Thank God we're given rules to follow as Christians, and, and I like to follow them, sometimes not so well. But our biggest rule is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So when Paul says, be a rule follower to Timothy, he means something else to him. He's telling him, the world's watching you. The world is watching you, and they want to see, are you going to follow the rules? Because, y'all, here's the thing. The world might not follow the rules, but they sure know our rules. How many times have we heard, Christians are such hypocrites, right? Or if that's what being a Christian looks like, I don't want any part of it. I've heard those things, and I have actually said, well, that's, that's just an excuse, that's an excuse for people not to walk in the door. That's an excuse for people not to have a relationship with Jesus. But it doesn't change the fact that someone had an impact. Someone didn't follow the rules, and it had an impact on the world. We're called to love, and we're called to love well. And loving well sometimes looks different. Loving well sometimes looks like saying nothing. We love to say in our house, what does love say? What does love require of me? And in a world where we are called to be men and women of integrity, love says that we follow the rules because those rules are what is going to show them Jesus. We are called to be Jesus with skin on. And if I stumble and fall and cause someone else to stumble and fall, then that means that seat stays empty, and that's on me. As a leader, we are called to follow the rules, not because Jesus wants to mess with you and he doesn't want you to have any fun in life. He wants you to follow the rules because we are called to be salt and light, a city on a hill. We are called to be a light that brings hope when there is no hope. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to carry the story that Jesus loves them. And if our breaking the rules keeps them from hearing that message, then we have to fix it. We have to step beyond what's comfortable to us and say, I'm going to follow the rules. We're called to holiness. We're called to righteousness. We're given specific rules. The Bible is very specific. So follow the rules. Follow the rules and then watch what happens. At the end it says, at the end of it it says, we're called to be leaders in our community because of the cost. The cost is so high when we don't. 
We're called to be leaders in our schools. We're called to be leaders in our jobs. We're called to be leaders that have been strategically placed by God because if we're not there in the position that God's called us to be in, then the cost is the empty seat. And then last, the last example that Paul gives Timothy is the farmer. The farmer, do the work, is what, is what Paul tells Timothy. So I love how, how Paul words this. He said, the farmer who labors to produce a crop should be the first one to be fed from its harvest. Now, the reason Paul said the farmer who labors is because during this time, there were some farmers who did not labor. What they would do was come behind the farmers who actually labored and pick up what was left over from their harvest. So there's some lazy farmers. But Paul said, be the farmer that does the work. Be the farmer that puts in the time. Be the farmer that is the first one awake and the last one to go to sleep at night. Be that farmer. Be the one who labors. Be the Christian that when you see someone that's hurting, you're the first one there. Be the, the kid at school that when you see a front, you see someone sitting by themselves, you're the first one to walk over and sit next to them. Be the person that's willing to step so far out of your comfort zone because you know it's going to help you to love somebody better. Be the farmer that's willing to put in the work to do what God's called you to do. At the beginning of 2 Timothy 2, Paul says, Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength, found in the anointing of Jesus in your union with him. And after all you've learned from me, confirmed by the integrity of my life, pass on to faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelation. What I think is so cool about this whole chapter, this whole book of 2 Timothy, is that Paul, when he's writing this letter to Timothy, is at the end of his life. This will be his last words. So he's writing Timothy with a lot of love, but also I feel like with an urgency to pass on these things that are so important. When I was writing this message, my husband and I were talking, and I said, babe, if you... We're writing a letter to our kids, and it would be your last words to them. You knew this was it. What would you say? And as he was answering me, Holy Spirit said, that should be every interaction you have with anyone. You should have that same kind of urgency every time you talk. It should be with the understanding of you don't know if you get a next time. If all Holy Spirit tells you to say is, I love you, then you better say it. Because you might not get a next time. None of us are promised tomorrow. But we are promised that moment that God has positioned us in. So we have to steward it well. We have to steward it wisely. One of the things that, that I love is that Paul said, be a man of integrity. And Timothy was. He was a man of great integrity. And as a leader, 
one of the greatest honors I have in my whole life is to watch someone I've discipled begin to disciple someone else. And today sitting in this congregation, Kathy Birchfield, I had the honor of leading Kathy in a connect group and discipling her, loving her, praying for her, doing life with her. And I watched, it was such an honor to watch you and Mark walk the life that you're walking. And guys, the greatest honor in my life was watching Kathy begin to disciple other people and do things in her life that she had seen me do in her, so she, I modeled that for her. So she began to do that for someone else who began to do it for someone else who began to do it for someone else. That's what we're called to do. When we love well, we lead well. They work together. There are very few things in my life that I will ever be more proud of than watching people I disciple do those things with other people. So why is this important? Why are we called to be leaders? Not just in the church, but leaders everywhere. When I was thinking about this time, <laughs> it was like neon sign, neon sign. It's like, Holy Spirit, why, do, why is leadership so important? And y'all, we're fixing to come into crazyville in our culture because we're coming into election season. And it's so hard to be Jesus with skin on during election season, right? People will call you names, whether you agree, disagree, whether you're like, I just want to be Switzerland. I just want to love you, <laughs> right? But we are called. We are called to be the light on the hill. And if you think people aren't watching you and how you're reacting to them on social media, then you've lost your mind. And if my one little comment that makes me feel so much better in the heat of the moment causes anyone, anyone to stumble, then that wasn't Jesus. We are called, we are called to be the light on a hill. One of the things that I love that Paul says at the end of the chapter, he says, run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and lust of youth and chase after all that is pure. Whatever builds up your faith and deepens your love must come from your holy pursuit and live in peace with all those who worship our Lord Jesus with pure hearts. Stay away from foolish arguments of the immature for these disputes will only generate more conflict. Some of your faces right now are like, that's in the Bible? For a true servant of our Lord Jesus will not be argumentative, but gentle towards all and skilled in helping others seek the truth, having great patience towards the immature. Then with meekness, you'll be able to carefully enlighten those who argue with you so that they can see God's gracious gift of repentance and be brought to the truth. This will cause them to rediscover themselves and escape from the snare of Satan who caught them in his trap so they would carry out his purposes. Y'all, Bible says, don't argue unless you've asked Holy Spirit, hey, should I speak up here? I have to tell you 99% of the time, he's going to say, nope. Let me do the work. 
He's way better at it than we are. And I, I am guilty of this. There's this chapter of this verse 24, for a true servant of the Lord will not be argumentative, but gentle towards all and skilled in helping others seeing truth, having great patience toward the immature. I read that and I thought, well, I'm in trouble. Because who doesn't like a good argument now and then, right? But what if my argument makes people not see Jesus? What if my opinion becomes more important than how much Jesus loves them? Then I have no business, no business doing anything that will detract from the love of God. Nothing. The things that I feel politically, I feel passionately about. But none of those things are more important than the truth that Jesus loves them. Not one thing that I have to say, not one thing that I have to say is more important than you are loved by a God who knows you and knows your name. And if anything I say detracts from it, I shouldn't say it. Bottom line, we have to lead with love. And if we don't, if we're not, then we need to ask Holy Spirit to help us lead with more love. That the, one of the things they say is, one of the things Paul tells Timothy is lead, lead with truth. But make sure it's, it's all God-breathed truth, not our truth, not what we're feeling in the moment. There's only one truth, and the truth is that God loves them. This week, this, this last week, we, we went to camp. Well, two weeks ago, we went to camp, and, and y'all know I love me some camp. Woohoo! Where are my camp kids? Oh, yeah. Um, so they're, they're a little not as rowdy as they were at camp, but y'all, they were crazy rowdy. Um, and my job at camp is I'm, I'm the game lady. I do all the games. I'm the keeper of the points and the giver of the points. Um, and I get points for everything everything. The kids bribe me constantly, and I gladly accept any and all bribes, whatever, it's camp. We have a great time with it. But one of the things that I do, like I said, is I do games. And our games, we plan out months in advance. Well, what we couldn't plan for was weather. Well, I I didn't plan for weather is what I should say. So we, we figure out once we get there, we're going to have to move the games indoors. And the majority of our games are outdoor games. There's lots of water balloons and, you know, lots of water. Obviously, I can't bring that inside the sanctuary, so we're thinking on the fly. So the last day we played the game, it was a worm game where they, the kids crawled into a sleeping bag and they had to wiggle from one end of the sanctuary to the other. But we weren't going to be able to do it the way we wanted to do it because we weren't outside. And so I was trying to think on the fly, think on the fly. And I had just this moment, and I feel like it was Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit-led. Because I said, let me have the oldest kid and the smallest kid from each team come up here. So what we did is we had the smallest kid, and these are tiny kids, first graders, climbing into these big, long, full-slice sleeping bags. And then I told our oldest kids, I said, now you can't help them physically, but I want you to get down there and I want you to cheer them on. I want you to encourage them and help them get across the finish line. Because y'all, it was a long way to go. So our kids get down there 
And these little, little ones are in these sleeping bags and they start G.I. Joeing it across in these sleeping bags. And it, it was hard. But our kids, our youth are down there on the ground. You can do it. You got this. Don't stop. You can do it. Don't, don't stop. You got this. Look at you go. You got it. And something in my spirit, something in my spirit welled up and God was like, Dana, that's the leader I want you to be. The leader that's down there in the dirt. And you're going to yell encouragement and you're going to be right there with them where they are. And it looks impossible because there's no reason why these little bitty kids could have gotten from one end to the other. But they had these kids next to them who they looked up to. But those, those kids believed in them. And they believed in them and they got to the other side. But then we flipped it. We flipped it and we said, okay, big kids, you get in now. You, you get in. And now these little ones who had had this, this, this behavior modeled for them, now they're down there on the ground. These little ones, y'all. And if my spirit didn't break wide open, I, I was trying not to have church right there in the middle of game time. My kids wouldn't even know what to do. So I'm down there and I'm like, okay, God, let's do it again. And these little ones are down here. You got it. You can do it. And it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard for the, our big kids to do it. But our little ones didn't know it. All they knew was that that encouragement is what got them over the finish line. So that's what they're going to model. That is what God has called us to do. He's called us to get down in the dirt. He said, come get alongside them. Find where they are in the most uncomfortable position and then position yourself next to them. Because that's Jesus. That is Jesus with skin on. That's what he's called us to do, to lead by loving well, to lead by saying there is no position you have yourself in that I won't sit right next to you and say, don't stop. Don't give in. Keep believing. God's called you to this. Jessica, what God has called you and Miguel to is so much bigger than what you can see. Don't stop. Don't give in no matter what the enemy says to you. Don't you stop because he's there. And I'll sit with you, friend. I'll sit with you as long as you need. But don't stop. Don't give in. We are called. We are called to be the light on the hill. So let's pray this week to let God show us where we can position ourselves so we can be that encouragement for someone else. Jesus, I thank you so much today for the opportunity to share your word. And Father, right now in this moment, I ask that your Holy Spirit begins to touch the heart and lives of people who have given up who have felt insignificant, who felt that they have no title so they don't matter, but they have the title of daughter and son and that's all the title they will ever need. Holy Spirit, you do the work that only you can do. God, we ask that you put us in places that we would have never asked you to put us before. We ask that you 
Position us for your greatness and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.